next on the OHIO podcast, where you review Ohio State's heartbreaking loss at the Peach Bowl against the Georgia Bulldogs, and we begin to turn the page and look forward to 2023. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, and I am joined today by Chris Wilds from Marion. Good evening, Chris. I guess it is. It's a new year. (laughs) It's a new year, he says. And Aaron Brown chuckling down there in Texas. Good evening, Mr. Brown. Hello, everybody. And Happy New Year to all of our listeners here at the OHIO podcast. And guys, it is January 1. And Chris, do you know what that means being January 1? Oh, Eric, I've been, I got a little bit of drool coming down the corner of my mouth right now. Uh, you weren't the only one who made that first bet today, Eric. There we go, guys. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is officially live in Ohio. Yes, It is officially live in Ohio today. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime and anywhere right here in Ohio with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code OhioPodcast will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings has the best features including same game, parlays, player props, and more with fast and easy payouts right here at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. New customers can use promo code Ohio Podcast to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with with code Ohio Podcast. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21+, plus. physically present in Ohio, valid one offer per first-time depositors who have not already redeemed $200 in free bets via pre-launch offer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as bonus bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. See dkng.co slash oh for terms. And I hope this still works. I know it's January 1. It might not with the Ohio podcast. It's worth a try. I hope those of you who listen to the show and and were hope to and were desiring to make a wager, and if you live in Ohio, that you did download the DraftKings Sports app and you used Ohio Podcast because today I deposited a 
$5 bet since it's January 1. And yes, they gave me $200 of month free money to bet with. And I put my $5 on the basketball game tonight, Chris. So, um, and yes, I bet the over for the Buckeyes against the Wildcats. So we'll cross our fingers. Um, but, uh, there you have it guys. It's live. It's good to go. Uh, I hope it's still good. If it's not, then, uh, by all means, still download the app and have fun with us. And one of the things that we will do in the future is we're going to have bet Chris's best bets. That's going to be a segment where he's going to drop some knowledge on us since he's the experienced one. And even though I might this might be where Aaron and I can insert a joke on Chris because of his uh, his um, predictions for the uh, bowl season, Chris, you made a heck of a comeback this weekend, man. Yeah. You did. I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> I mean, a, little a, a little bit of a move. But but you know what? Uh, you can't do anything with the bowl games. All these people opting out and I know transferring it. and everything else. It's it's almost impossible to have a good bet on a bowl game anymore. It, 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 really, it really is. is. It really Until like right before the game and you, you see how the line the, is. The CFP is the only way to bet right now. Yeah. I, because I agree. you know those people are going to be playing if they're physically capable. And no matter what happens tomorrow, Chris, neither you or I can catch Aaron. He he made his move. He caught up with me, had a really nice day on Friday it was. And now no matter what happens tomorrow, Aaron, you have won the betting uh, between Chris and I in the predictions for both seasons. So not only are you in the uh, OHIO Podcast Fantasy Championship game, you also won that. You Can you just – you're just winning life right now apparently. I, you know, is Heather pregnant just, again or something? I mean, my gosh. Oh, don't you ever put that in the air. I got no. Don't you put <laughs> Three that kids is enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Why would you say that? <laughs> I don't know, man. You're just winning all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to play the lottery is what I need to do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, guys. Let's let's ju- let's jump into this game tonight or the game from last night. I've got thoughts. I know you guys have thoughts. I'm going to jump out here first and give you my initial reaction here real quick. I'm going to do the positives and then I'm going to do the negatives. First, the positives. I think C.J. Stroud played his best game ever in a Ohio State uniform last night. He played his guts out. I felt like he ripped open his chest, pulled out his bleeding heart for all of Buckeye Nation to see, and it was bleeding scarlet and gray. Um, My hat's off to CJ for an amazing night. Ryan Day showed emotion on the sideline like I have never seen him show emotion before, and I loved every second of that. I thought he called for a most part a really good, aggressive offensive game plan, especially when things went – uh, kind of south for us with injuries. My gosh, were there injuries? And by the way, here's where I'm going to toot my own horn. I told you all Mayan Williams was still hurt. Hurt. They've played this. They've played this trick all season long. I wasn't going to fall for it. Um, but when we lost Cade Stover and we literally had at that moment no backup tight ends to go into the game with any experience other than Mitch Rossi, who played with a a softball size swollen bump on the side of his head did you guys see that my gosh the kid the kid gave every ounce he had we literally had a a, a sixth offensive lineman in the game at times playing tight end i thought ryan day was aggressive 
He was emotional, and I thought he, I thought he called a good game offensively. I thought there were backup players who really stepped up. Xavier Johnson, dude, you are you are our beast. You are an absolute beast, man. You are our best running option yesterday, and I don't know. I'm not even sure that that was even really your room, to be honest with you, being a part of the running back room. Uh, like I said, Mitch Rossi played his guts out. There was just a lot of guys who stepped up big time yesterday, especially on the offensive side of the ball, who were guys who we weren't really counting on. And here they are in the CFP playing great games. Now the def- let's talk about the negatives. The defense ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. I thought we played really good defense for two and a half, three quarters. And that fourth quarter, it was just like they had nothing left in the tank, man. And I can't throw all of that on them. I know a lot of people right now are down on the defense, but you got to play four quarters. Was it conditioning? Was it the lack of depth? You know, we'll get into all of that here in a little bit, but that was the negative. But my initial reaction is this. I'm proud of these guys. They went out there. They played their hearts out. I am. They have nothing to hang their hat, head about. I don't think Buckeye Nation has anything to hang their head up about. Yes, we'll get into some of the questionable things here in a little bit. But the only thing that makes me mad about last night is this. If we played like that in the last game of November in the horseshoe, we do not lose that stinking team up north. We would have beat them if we would have played like this. Where was this? In the in the regular season game twelve in the game that's the only thing I, I I'm upset about. Aaron, go for it. Yeah, man, I you said it said it all so well. Uh, C.J. Stroud, man, is I think Buckeye Nation in general. I think we all owe that that dude an apology. Um, if if you ever questioned his heart, you you can't anymore. You can't ever again. Uh, he left it all on the field, and I, I will personally say that I apologize. That kid just, man, that's how you play football, and and he really did the job. Xavier Johnson, man, that dude, ooh, uh, big respect for him. Evan Royer coming in there at tight end after Kate Stover went out. Uh, I think he got himself a reception or two. He got a catch, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, him stepping in there, he I don't think he's played all year other than maybe some some, you know, end of the game type minutes. Uh, he did. I thought he did. OK. Um, God, Mitch Rossi, man, that's a dude right there. Left it all on the field, dude. Left it all on the field. Uh, <laughs> eyeball falling out and everything. <laughs> um, big respect to him. Uh, that defensive line. I, I thought that the JTT, Zach Harris, and I thought all them guys, man, they all did a magnificent job because uh, most of the night, Ohio State just – they did what I thought they would do. You know, They dropped into a zone coverage. Uh, Jim Knowles, I feel like he called a good game. I understand we allowed 42 points. I get it. Uh, that's, that's really not acceptable. But you have to consider we're not playing Toledo or Akron or – or Wisconsin, we were playing the defending national champions in their backyard, okay? We did about as well as we humanly could, and we took it to their ass all night long. And you have to forgive me for the curse word, but that's how passionate I feel about it. We took it to them all night long, okay? Um, Ryan Day, again, offensively, uh, they did a lot of what I thought they should do. Uh, Levels concept, they, I mean... 
they just they executed very well. The only downside was Marvin Harrison goes out and I don't I think we only had 29 passing yards from the time that Marvin went out until the end of the game. So when you don't have a running game to kind of run that clock down like we needed to do and you can't throw the ball uh, that you know what I mean? This is this is just kind of what happens, man. I, I don't know that the defense ran out of gas necessarily, um, but you got to be able to run the clock out. And we just were not able to do that. Um, I, I'm just very proud of, of the performance. Uh, a lot of people did not give us a chance, uh, including myself. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I'll eat crow. I'm very proud of that performance. And that right there was the Ohio State Buckeyes that I was hoping to see. And I am very pleased with what I saw in 2023. Uh, you know, I, I'm not upset that we lost. Not not to Georgia and not in the fashion that we did. I'm upset that we lost. Yes, but not like not the way that we did. Uh, they performed out of their minds. And uh, I was just very proud of that. Chris. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'm with you guys. Those those kids out there, they left their hearts on the field. Uh, amazing, amazing performance by the players. Um, you know, defensively, I was, I had some questions at times. Offensively, I thought Day called a fairly decent game up until about the last 40 seconds of the game. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think that. I don't want to be super negative, so I'm just going to concentrate on the players who those guys did everything they could to try to bring that game home. They really did. Uh, You know, CJ, you said it, Eric, best game as a Buckeye without a doubt. I think that he became the number one draft pick last night. I think that you look at, you know, you, you talked about Rossi. Uh, you talked about Xavier Johnson. Can we get that kid another year of eligibility, by the way? <laughs> I mean, I love this kid. He just he goes out there, he does whatever is asked of him. But he doesn't just do it, he does it at a high level. And you know, I'm gonna throw out there a name that you guys hadn't mentioned yet. What about Luke Whipler? What, what kind of a job did he do when the guy they're saying should be the number one draft pick in uh, uh, Jalen Carter had one tackle? Yeah, he closed him out. Very One good tackle. job, Luke Whipler. Luke Whipler was a man out there yesterday. And he imposed his will. And I'll tell you what, um, kudos to the offensive line and the offensive line coach. I thought they did a tremendous job of playing much more physical. Uh, Aaron, you mentioned it. I think the defensive line did a great job. Uh, Secondary-wise, you know, we still got our questions. Uh some of the coaching calls I've still got questions about, but for, you know, like I said, I'm going to keep it positive. So great job to the athletes out there yesterday. They did a wonderful job. Okay. There's our opening statements about the game. Uh, I know you probably, most of you feel very similar to us. We kind of know our listener fan base pretty well. Um, and I feel the most part, I know a lot of you think the same way we do. That's why you listen to us. So um, won't be surprised if most of you agree with us on on our our kind of positive take on the game, but it's we still have to hand out a grade card, guys, because that's what we do. So <laughs> let's jump right into it and give the offense and defense a grade. Let's start with the offense first. Uh, we had 348 passing yards yesterday, 119 yards rushing. 
for a total of 467 yards of offense. That's 7.1 yards per play against what many uh, say is the best defense in college football. That included 24 first downs. Here's an interesting stat for you. We were only 4 of 12 on third down conversions yesterday. So uh, even though we were only 33%, we still moved the ball pretty, pretty well there. Time of possession, we out we out held the ball over them for over five minutes, 32 minutes and 36 seven, uh, seconds, and we had zero turnovers. My grade on the offense, I gave them an A-. minus. Chris, I'll let you go next. I'll tell you what, Eric, I, I wasn't quite as as up on it as you were. I did go a B plus, and the reason being, um, we just the running game was not there. I thought we showed flashes at times. I thought we should have seen more of Xavier Johnson uh, running off that outside. I thought he did a great job there. Uh, CJ, great job. If I was grading CJ or Xavier, definitely an A on those guys. If I was grading the line, it'd be an A on those guys. But the lack of a consistent running attack. I gotta go B plus. Yeah, I gotta go B plus. Okay, Aaron. Uh, I went with an A minus, and it's it's similar reasons to what Chris did. I think maybe I just graded a little bit easier. Uh, I got to give them credit, man. Uh, you know, Georgia only had 135 rushing yards, and that's what they do is run the ball. So I mean, we weren't far behind them. Um, we had 119, and you know, 24 first downs is nothing to blink an eye at there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen better third down efficiency. I think that uh, if there was one place where we, you know, I, I know we blew a 14 point lead. I get it. But if there was one place where if we could have improved and that would have won the game for us, it was third down efficiencies because we didn't turn the ball over. So I give them big credit for that because that's not easy to do when you're play, you know, you're facing what like Eric said, many consider the number one defense in the country, um, especially with Jalen Carter in there, you know, uh, running the ball for over 100 yards. And you didn't even have Mayan Williams except for what, maybe three carries. Um, you have a true freshman running back and a guy that doesn't even play running back. So um, I, I got to give credit where it's due, man. A minus for that. On the defensive side of the ball, we gave up 398 yards passing, 135 yards rushing for 533 yards. And here, guys, here's the thing. I don't know, have the numbers in front of me, but I'm willing to bet over 200 of that was in the fourth quarter easily. Um, yards per play was 8.9 yards per play. So two weeks, or not two weeks, but two games in a, a row, this defense has given up 8.8 and 8.9 yards per play. We've been very susceptible to big play. Uh, they gave up 22 first downs. Um, but here's the thing. We got off the field on third down as well. The Bulldogs were only 2 of 10 on third downs. Um, good job on the defense there. Uh, they were 1 of 1 on fourth downs, however. Time of possession was 27 minutes and 24 seconds, and they did have the turnover. That being said, my grade for them was a D. I know that seems a little harsh, and Aaron, I'll let you go next so you can tell me why you agree or disagree with me on that, but it's a four-quarter game, man. It's a four-quarter game, not three, not three and a half. It's four quarters, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day that's not a passing grade, man, uh, when you give up, what was it, 52 points or whatever it was, um, 42. Um, 
just not good enough, guys. Uh, Aaron? I wasn't too far off from you, honestly. Uh, I gave them a C. Uh, I thought it was average uh, when you consider that you're playing in the CFP. And I'm not trying to get on Lathan Ransom for this, but you can't fall down in coverage. I, I think that was Lathan that fell, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was. It was Lathan. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point in the season, as much as he has played, your footwork has to be on point when you're playing the defending champions. And this isn't anything he doesn't know. You know what I mean? But that I mean, that was what, 70 yards right there and a touchdown just because you didn't have the footwork right. So, um, I, you know, overall, they did really well up until, like you said, Eric, I think they did really well up until that fourth quarter. And it's funny because Kirby Smart even said, you know, he didn't care what happens, but win the fourth quarter. And Georgia did just that. And they ended up pulling the game out. And uh, a lot of that's because we gave up big plays, guys falling down. Um, and, and that's not to take away from what they did do with the one, you know, the turnover, two for 10 on third down. Um, but man, uh, you can't give up 400 passing yards and 135 to the defending champions and think you're going to win that game, man. You got to got to do a little bit better than that. And we were just one point short. So uh, I, I'm going to give them an average effort with a C. Chris? You know, I went with you, Eric. I went with a D. Uh, you know, too many big plays again. You had a, uh, you know, a 52-yard run. You had a 76-yard reception. You had uh, was it? Uh, I think they had eight receptions, nine receptions of over 25 yards. Or no, I'm sorry, they had uh, five receptions of over 25 yards. Just too many big plays again. And, you know, I, I think if we look at the effort that the front seven gave, it, it's a totally different thing than what you're getting off the back end of that defense. I mean, this is, you know, Jim Knowles has a safety-driven defense, and our safeties blew out there yesterday. There's no other way to put it. They were awful at times. Now, they aren't as bad as they were against Michigan. But, you know, same concept. We're just not getting consistent good play on the back end of that defense. And it's hurting us. So, I had to go D. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's disappointing, guys. I mean, <laughs> we'll get into it a little bit here. I don't want to jump the gun, so we're going to talk more details. But, yeah, I mean, that's our grade card. I mean, offense, good enough to win. Obviously, defense, not good enough, apparently. So it's uh, we got we got to correct this. We're going into a second offseason in a row where it's the same issue here. Offense, good enough. Defense, not good enough. You know, Eric, it was just like 2019 all over again, right down to the officiating. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know it was. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. I know, that. I know. Well, well it, the, some of the questions are gonna are they're gonna rile you up. I already know. All right, let's go on to our Buckeye Leafs offensive player of the game, Chris. Who you got? You, you know, I would love to go Luke Whipler for that effort he gave, but I I got to give it to CJ. He saved he saved his best for last, man. That was a performance and a half out there, not just with his arm, but with his feet. Uh, the leadership he showed, the heart he showed. I got to go with CJ. Aaron? Same. Can't say it any better. Dude Dude played his heart out, man. Yeah, that's it was a heck of a game. And when he started taking off and running and he showed us that he was going to do that, even though for his entire career he's been unwilling – um, and he was basically like, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even though this is not my forte. It's not what I want to do. It's not what 
Ryan Days wanted me to do. This is what it's going to take to win. And like I said, he ripped his heart out and showed it to us. And he took off, man, and he did great. Uh, good for him. Uh, defensive player of the game, Aaron. Oh, man, this is kind of tough, you know, because, <clears throat> I mean, which which way do you go? You know, I, I'd love it to give it, and I know this is kind of a running joke, I'd love to give it to the whole defensive line for the job that they did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, they really did a, a, a fantastic job, you know, Um it, it's tough. Uh, you know, do you give it to Steel Chambers with eight tackles, half a sack and an interception? You know, which way do you go? Zach Harrison, half a sack. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, you know, because he I mean, he kept Brock Bowers pretty quiet all night. Uh, you know, it's it's tough. Um, but I think that I'm going to go probably. Oh, yeah, I'm making this decision on the fly. I'm not going to lie. Uh <laughs> I'm going to I'll go you know what I'll go with Tommy Eichenberg and 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 it's because you know early on the linebackers were kind of over pursuing and they got coached up and I feel like side to side Tommy Eichenberg really did a nice job. He brought physicality uh right behind the D-line. Steel Chambers did a nice job as well, but um I'm going to go with Tommy Eichenberg. I did go with Steel Chambers by the way. I feel that he, you know, he played I thought he played one of his better games of the year and he, you know, maybe he was in the right place at the right time. And I know he got sucked into the line a couple of times in some of those big runs, Aaron. I remember seeing that, but I'm excited. He's coming back next year and I, I love his personality. I think he's going to be a good team leader next year. Uh, so I went with steel. Um, Chris, would you, who'd you go with your deciding vote here? I'll tell you what, we're going to have a three-way split because I actually went with somebody who I thought had a tremendous game. And, you know, I mentioned how CJ climbed up the draft board. I think Zach Harrison improved his stock a little bit more again, too. I mm-hmm. thought Harrison had a great game out there, four tackles. Two of those were solo, a tackle and a half for loss, a half a sack. I mean, I thought he was disruptive even when he wasn't getting to the quarterback. He was, you know, a factor in the run game even if he wasn't make, making the tackles. I thought he played a great game. Cool. Chris, you went last. I'll have you go first here. The offensive play of the game. Uh, for me, I think it was that first touchdown, honestly. I mean, that was we, – we saw what we were going to see out of CJ that night, that that leadership, that movement, you know, directing Marvin Harrison on, on where to go down there to get open. And then just a great, you know, great completion. Um, I thought it was a great play. Yeah, I love the backyard football action there. Go this way. I'm going to throw it there. Yeah, that was my offensive play of the game. I thought that that kind of set the tone for us that we're going to be in this thing for a four-quarter fight. Like, we're here. So I I love that. Aaron? Same. Uh, The way that CJ navigated the pocket, you know, rolling out under pressure. Georgia was doing exactly what they wanted to do, getting in there and forcing pressure on him, and he stepped in and made a throw. Uh, and like Chris said, directing Marvin Harrison over to that side, that was clearly not the route. He broke off a uh, great connection between those two players, man. that was It was just a good play all the way around. Yep, they both deserve uh, Buckeye Leafs for that. The, the catch was amazing too. So Yes. The defensive player hit of the game, I went with the Steel Chambers interception is what I got. Uh, Aaron, what did you have? Uh, It was Zach Harrison's hit. Uh, I I can't remember if it was the running back 
I can't remember what it was, but it was Zach Harrison's hit. Um, and I actually put it in our little group chat because that one got me going. <laughs> I was like, let's get it all in tangent. It was when he blew up the running back in the backfield, wasn't it, Aaron? I yeah. think so, yes. yes. Uh, that, one, that one got me going pretty good. Yeah, it was his tackle for loss, yeah. Yeah. Chris, what do you got? I had the same one that Aaron did. Okay. That, that was just a huge hit, and it came at a key time in the game, too. It did. It did. Yeah, I, 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 I got a chuckle out of out of Aaron's Olentangy connections there. Wrong. Yeah. Same school district, wrong school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, I know how you'll take credit for that. All you Olentangy people are the same. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sour grapes much? <laughs> that sound a little bit like Sean on that one? I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, guys. That's uh, – that is our Buckeye Leafs. Last time we get to hand out Buckeye Leafs to this team. Um, obviously, that is one of the categories for next week's show when we hand out our Buckeye Awards for the season. Of course, you're not you're not going to want to miss next week's show because next week's show is our first official live show on a Sunday night. So we definitely want you to uh, be tuning in at 8 p.m. Sunday night. You can tune in on either our YouTube channel or you can just go to our Facebook page, Facebook backslash Facebook.com backslash the Ohio podcast. And at eight o'clock, tune in, watch the live show. You can see our ugly mugs and you'll see exactly why this was an audio podcast for four years. And uh, Aaron is the only one left who has teeth uh, for the most part. I'm just kidding. We, we all got our teeth. but And I heard Aaron's even going to get that one haircut too, Eric. Ooh, Chris. <laughs> the one haircut. What time out left. I have no ball left. Uh, shoot. I don't even know what the, how to respond to that. Dude, I got to figure out a way to get the glare down for this video. That's my yes. struggle right now. Yes, indeed. Indeed you do. So, yeah, check that out next week. We're going to go live. It's going to be much more fan interactive. We'll be able to see and read your comments uh, both on YouTube and on uh, Facebook and be able to post those so that we can interact with us while we actually have the show. And, of course, the second part of that show next week, like we said, will be our 2020 two season uh, Buckeye awards. So you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then if you can't make it live, don't worry. We will have the audio version of the show for you. That'll come into your feed, just like you're getting this show right now. So make sure you, uh, uh, if you can't make it, don't worry, we've got you covered or you can go back and watch it on YouTube. Uh, if you'd like to rather watch it instead of listen to it. Uh, and then there might be some of you sick people out there who want to watch and listen. And if that's the case, I've got questions on what's going on in your life. But anyways, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back. we got the second part of the show. We're going to break down this game even further. So hang tight. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at onlinemastermind.com. Welcome back to the OHIO podcast. Uh, so this week's poll question is the age old question which kind of loss is worse, guys? Getting blown out or losing a close one in the last seconds. And before I reveal the results, uh, I'll have you guys discuss which 
option you picked and why. So, Chris, which one did you go with and why? I went with option C, blowing a 14-point lead. Uh, but if I had to choose among, <laughs> if I had to choose among the two, uh, you know, I, I would say that you know, getting blown out is worse. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, at least you're in the game if if it's a close one. But uh, yeah. yeah, but but by far, I think option option C was the worst option. Yeah, blowing a blowing a big lead like that for sure, man. Uh, Eric, which one did you pick and why? I'm with Chris on this one, man. I there's I, the reason why this question is so relevant is because we've lost two in a row now, and they've been those two ways. We were blown out, and then we lost a heartbreaker at the end. And as much as you know, I'm heartbroken today, and I was last night. It doesn't feel nearly as emasculating as getting punked like we did in our home stadium, dude. But so, Eric, can I ask you too? Does half of that have to do with the opponent that was played as well? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um, when was the last Good time? Point. When was the last time, other than the two L's we have suffered to the team up north the last two two years? Other than them, when was the last time we really been blown out? Alabama, I guess maybe. I was gonna yeah. say the national title game against Bama. Yeah. Other than that one. But even then, cl- you can make even then you it, could make an argument though. Yeah, but was it the 31 nothing Clemson loss? Was that the last blowout loss we had? I think so. It might be. Yeah. I can't think of any other blowouts we've it's had. Not, it's not something we have to experience as Ohio State fans very often, thank God. Um, yeah. But that being said, every time we've had a blowout loss, it's so deflating because it really makes you feel like your whole program's been set back. Like, I don't feel like after the loss we suffered last night, I don't feel like the program set back. Eric, doesn't it make you feel good, though, the way they rebounded from that blowout loss? Yeah, it does, because, I mean— I mean, again, that's going to be a positive that I'm going to take away from this, is they did rebound well. And, you know, we talked about it last night when we were talking between each other on our little little chat there. You know, no fight or, or no no lack of fight. They fought all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what it, it what it does is it says we belong. If that's the best team in the country, if that's the new Alabama, we belong. We're there. You know, we're we had them on the ropes. We just couldn't land the knockout blow, but we were winning up by points until the very end. So, you know, there was a little bit of a Rocky Apollo Creed to to reference um, varsity videos, there was a little bit of a Rocky Apollo Creed happening there uh, in Rocky one. And they were definitely Apollo Creed and we were the Rocky, but you know what? We, we were, we were landing blow after blow after blow and we just couldn't knock them out. That was the problem. Um, we, 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 we land that big knockout blow in the fourth quarter. Uh, They don't have that fourth, fourth down stop, get reversed. I mean, this is this is a different conversation today, and I'm I, Carl and I are punching our tickets to L.A., baby. So, uh, you know, but that that's what I kind of reference Chris is a little bit is yeah, it stings, but it's not emasculating like it was when the team up north just cut our balls off. Sorry, you didn't want to be out there with all those liberals in California, anyhow. I know you you know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. What about you, Aaron? What do you think about that poll question? Um, I, I agree. I think getting blown out is definitely the worst way to lose because, you know, it's like you said, Eric, you know, it, it 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 can make you feel like your program has been set back. 
And last night, in a way, I kind of felt like we kind of sprung forward, if anything, because, I mean, there was I don't think there was even any SEC teams that played them the way that we did. We had those boys huffing and puffing and ESPN showed it. Okay, yeah, okay, Missouri, I think. Missouri of all teams. Yeah, but I mean, was Missouri beating them the whole game up until the bitter Uh, end? You know what I mean? Yes, they were were until the fourth quarter. On the scoreboard, but not physically like we were. That's what I mean. I mean, just in all aspects, we were kicking their ass. Like, (laughs) they did not have an answer uh, until Marvin Harrison got taken out. And even then, we were finding ways and I just feel like there's no other teams that really did that to them. Like Kirby Smart had to coach that game. His staff had to figure out a way to coach that team to that victory. Um, it was pretty clear to me Stetson Bennett was shook yeah, most of that game. That dude was shook, and he has not been shook like that ever, I don't think. That, uh, this, we had that dude scared. Aaron, this is a good question. You bring it up. Is Kirby Smart – the best coach in college football right now? No. No, no I don't. I, I I would not say he is the number one coach in college football. No. He did. I think he, he has a good staff. He did do a very good job of managing that game, though. I thought. From well, behind. He's a great coach, but I'm just saying he's not the best. I, okay, so I guess there's two ways to look at this. Because right. right now, right now, in the, the conversation down south in SEC country, Kirby Smart has replaced Nick Saban as the best coach in college football. Well, we'll we'll see what what this the 2023 season. Brings, How many rings okay? does he have on his fingers? He's about to get two. Uh, how many has Saban got? Yeah, but how many has Saban won in the last two years when Kirby Smart's won two? Okay. The, uh, Look, there's two ways to look at this. All right. There's the right here, right now. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Who's the, the best it's, coach it's, in fo- college football right now? That's the question. It's, it's the LeBron Michael Jordan question. It's the same thing. You know, you got the legacy winner of Nick Saban versus the right here, right now, uh, Kirby Smart. You know, okay. right now, Kirby Smart is the defending champion or coach of the defending champions. So I guess that the answer would be that Kirby Smart is the best right now. Yeah, I was going to say, so if you're you're an athletic director of Brown University and Chris, you're the athletic director mm-hmm. of, of Wild Tech, um, which sounds like an f- amazing uh, uh, party school. Um, <laughs> Aaron sounds like he belongs in the Ivy League, Brown University. Um, who are you hiring tomorrow? Between who? You, you, anybody who's the college, who's your, who's your number one college coach and call has to be a college football coach. Who are you hiring tomorrow? I'll be honest. Um, if Ryan day coached the way that he did last night, if he did that every week, I would take him and that's, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to be a Homer, uh, but Ooh. the emotion that he showed, um, the wheelbarrows were out. Okay. He had a wheelbarrow on that sideline. He was calling an aggressive game. And if he coached like that week in and week out, I would take Ryan Day. Chris, what's Wild Tech? Who are they hiring? Tony Dykes. Ooh, okay. That's not a bad option. This guy who took a uh, took a TCU program that was definitely on the downslide, he turned him around, and his first year as head coach out there, they're going to play for the national title. Mm-hmm. They are. Yep. But his track record <laughs> screams that this is this is an anomaly. But again, Eric, we're talking about who's the hottest coach right now. 
I, I know we are, but my, I'm also saying this is the first time he's done it. This is not the first time Kirby Smart's done this. He's done it two years in a row now, and he's yeah. been in national team, and and he's been to the CFP three times, and he's about to win it his second time because I'm, I'm is assuming. He yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they is will. Is he though? I'm pretty sure they will. I think Georgia's going to be just so much more physically better than TCU. Yeah, Michigan thought that they were so much physically better than TCU do, didn't they? Sean did. <laughs> I'm sorry, Don't Sean, you put it on Sean here. Everybody in the country, myself included, thought that Michigan was so much physically better than TCU. And the fact is they just weren't. TCU went out there and showed the guts and, and, and the physicality. And they were manhandling Michigan, not the other way around. Michigan, I'll be honest. Michigan blew that game, Chris, though. It didn't. Mich- Michigan blew that game. They had that game won. I mean, they turned the ball over five times. I was going to say, one. Come on. I mean, if you're going to hold it against one, you got to hold it against the other. I do. I am. I'm just telling you straight up right now. Boggs University is hiring Kirby Smart tomorrow. Okay. But I like your answer, Aaron, Aaron, because that's that was uh, you would have asked us this question four weeks ago. That would have not been any of our answers. Probably not. Still wouldn't be mine. I know it wouldn't, Chris. <laughs> anyway, guys, the, the results of the poll, <laughs> we totally got away from that one. Um, so we had 75% of you guys say getting blown out is the worst way to lose, and 25% saying losing a close one in the last seconds is the worst way to lose. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, is a great question. Is an age-old question. Uh, this has been discussed all of my life. Which way would you rather lose? So uh, good discussion. I know we got away from it there for a minute. But, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, send us around for some listener questions? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We, uh, we have several questions. A lot of them came in from Judy K. Davis. She was all over this thing last night, Aaron. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely put some of these towards you. Uh, because they are questions of uh, considering uh, concerning rules. So I'm going to start out with this one. How was the targeting, or how was it not targeting when Marvin Harrison was hit? Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, the only justification that I have seen is that they I don't know who number 22 is. I forget his name. Uh, but they're saying that his shoulder hit Marvin Harrison's chest, not his head and neck area. Then how did he get a concussion? Well, they're saying that him hitting his head, because it was a violent collision, okay? And he smacked the ground pretty hard. So much like uh, you guys, if you follow the NFL, you, I'm sure everybody's tracking what's going on with Tua Tagovailoa. Um, the back of his head has hit the turf, and he got concussions. Uh, they're saying that the same thing with Marvin Harrison. So the force of the hit caused him to hit his head on the ground, and that caused a concussion. So to me, looking at it, I don't agree with that because, um, I mean, if you're that high on the chest and it's that violent, uh, this should have still probably – I mean, at a minimum, he's, it should have been a flag for a, you know unnecessary roughness on a defenseless player. He's trying to make a play on a ball. So, I mean, imagine that it's not in the end zone. It's over the middle of the field, near the middle of it, and uh, somebody just comes and cleans his clock. They're probably going to throw a flag on it 
for hitting a defenseless receiver, but why didn't they do it here? You know, it's just I don't I don't mean to sound like that guy, you know, but that's that's one of those situations, Chris, where I think you mean like it, it felt like 2019 all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at this. This wasn't the only incident of targeting yet targeting yesterday where they missed the call. And it wasn't just the field guys missing the call. It was the replay guys missing the call as well. Because I think we can all agree that the same thing happened to that team up north yesterday as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have an issue with officiating and how they're going to decide to call uh, this targeting situation because that TCU Michigan game, man, they that was completely missed. That dude, the crown of his helmet hit the back of that Michigan player's helmet. I don't know how you decide that that's not targeting. That is like by the letter of the law targeting crown to the helmet, direct contact with the head. Oh, not not to be a conspiracy theorist, but it almost felt like somebody was out for the Big Ten yesterday. Just saying. It kind of did, didn't it? You know, and, and in another call, I feel like they missed. There were several holding calls. I mean, I saw JTT's yeah. jersey stretched clean out. Um, and then there was a tackle on one of the runs that CJ did where I was like, how is that not cowboy collar? Yeah. I mean, it was pl- plain as day he had well, him by the well, back. The, of big his- pass that, uh, the big pass that Stetson Bennett had, the 76-yarder. Uh, Harrison was being held. So, yeah. 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 Anyhow. Prime example. So let's move on to our next question. Uh, Eric, we're going to break away from the rules for just a second. Why did the offense, why, I'm assuming she means why didn't the offense play like this in the Michigan game? Because we didn't have, Brian Day didn't play a call an aggressive game. It's that simple. I think he, he felt like he had nothing to lose in this game. And so he was going to let it all hang out. He knew he had to be super aggressive and score lots of points to win the game. And for some reason against that team up North, he had it in his mind that he could be a more conservative. Let's, let's show we're more tougher than them and win the ground game and, and grind this thing out kind of mindset uh, instead of just letting it air out uh, like he did against Georgia. So it's really it's really that simple. It was a, a mindset, an attitude, and a, an approach from the offensive coaching staff in this game compared to what they did against that team up north. Because you can't tell me that uh, the, the Wolverines have a better defense than what we saw against the uh, uh, SEC champs. Okay, Aaron, here we go. We're back to the rules again. How did Georgia get a timeout when Ohio State had already snapped the ball? <laughs> so, my understanding of that rule is that uh, it's 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 actually like on the official and whether or not they want to grant it to them. Um, it was extremely close, uh, and I guess there's an argument to be made that it takes time from the box uh, to the field for that transmission to get made. So. It's kind of the official's decision. Uh, I think that's kind of crap. Um, if you don't recognize it faster than that, that's I mean, that that's that's too bad. You know, you, you missed an opportunity. That's just how the game should be played. But uh, that's uh, unfortunately, I'm not on the rules committee. Um, and uh, that that's just my understanding. It was it was an official decision, uh, meaning referee decision to grant it. OK, Eric. So. The defensive coach, Jim Knowles, had a month to make a dramatic change. But in the opinion of Judy K. Davis, he did a terrible job. Why do you think that was? Okay. 
I got two answers here for you. And second one is going to be totally a conspiracy theory that Aaron's probably going to hate and disagree with because he's going to know where I'm going to go based off our conversation from yesterday uh, as we were chatting in the second half of that game. Number one, number one, I just don't think we have the back end personnel, meaning I don't think we have the horses in the safety and cornerback positions to play the style of defense that Jim Knowles wants to play. That's number one. Number two, I think Ryan Day's respect for Larry Johnson and Larry Johnson's desire to play four down linemen almost all the time has affected Jim Knowles' ability to play the style of defense he truly wants to play with a cowboy or stand-up defensive end or uh, the defensive lineman who's more of a hybrid slash linebacker that he can move around in the defense to cause havoc and cause confusion for the quarterback. That's my conspiracy theory answer that Ryan Day's told Jim, you can't do that because we're going to play four down linemen because that's what uh, Larry Johnson wants to do. So that could be your conspiracy theory answer. But the, the initial answer is we just don't have the horses or depth in the defensive backfield to play that style of defense consistently for four quarters. Fair enough. All right, Aaron, we got Brian Lee Oberst. Always love when Brian sends stuff in. We gave Georgia all they could handle and had the chances to win it. Just wasn't in the cards for us tonight. I love his positivity. We did enough to come up with the win, but or we did enough to win, but came up just short. What do we need to do better to finish and find ways at the end like a championship team does? Um, I mean, he's right. You know, we did do enough to win, uh, but uh, it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, we can point to officiating and missed calls. Uh, we can point to the fact that we didn't have a completely healthy running back room. Uh, so that, I mean, that, if you know, there's different ways to look at this thing. Um, I don't know that necessarily there's a way to fix it uh you know the, the secondary needs some work i mean that's that's a given i feel like at this point uh you know we've we've got talent but i i don't know that they're i don't know how to how to word this uh i i just know that the, the secondary needs work okay uh maybe better coaching maybe more time with the specific coaches that we have now um but um you know like i said man falling down at that point in the game was just that hurt that that really hurt. You can't give up big plays like that. Uh, maybe we need to work on coverage. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if we played with that enthusiasm and that aggression all year long, we probably would have beaten most teams uh, similarly to how we beat Toledo uh, as opposed to how we did in actuality. Um so maybe we just need to get that enthusiasm through the rest of the season. And, and that starts with the coaching staff. Um, instead of just kind of, you know, floating through the Big Ten schedule like we do, uh, if Ryan Day was on the sideline week in and week out, man, just in just emotionally and physically and, and mentally invested the way he was last night, um, you know, maybe that changes things. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to do that. I understand because that takes a lot out of you. But. 
Um, I, I can't point to one specific thing that we necessarily need to fix. It's it's just you know getting healthy, adjusting what needs adjusted on the in the secondary, uh, just coaching these guys up, man. So do you kind of agree with Eric that maybe uh, as far as our secondary con- is concerned, we have horses, but we need thoroughbreds? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. I, I think we got some young guys in there that have some uh, potential. Uh, but if you were to throw them in there in that that scenario last night, they would have looked worse than what we actually saw. So um, I think we did the best with what we have. Okay, fair enough. Okay, Eric. Why? Neil Kramer asks, up 11, why did we not push the ball down the field and try to end the game? We did. I mean. I come back to one play on this, Eric, and and you probably know which one I'm going to talk about. It's the one that ended up forcing us into a field goal. And that is what was with the trick, uh, the, the, the trickery they tried to pull when we've been playing really well with a basic game plan. Why then do you try that play with the uh, that it ends up resulting in that huge huge loss? It so you I think in it's a good question, but let me let me let me answer your question with another question. What if it worked and it was a huge gainer? Then everybody's praising him for being a genius, right? I mean, you have to take gambles at times. He said he was going to come out swinging. Sometimes you have to do a little dipsy-do here. Like, hey, look at my left hand, but don't pay attention to the right hook that's coming. I mean, I, I, I get that. I'm but, not going to fault him for that, Chris. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, and I, yeah, I, I just, I feel like, I, I, I feel like at this point, if we're going to nitpick every little call when he, overall, the, the, the game plan and the game he called, I thought was so positive and good then we're we're being kind of two-faced. So But do you not agree that do you not agree that that things got maybe the play calling got a little bit I don't know how I want to put it. Conservative? It definitely changed a bit in that last two drives. And I'm sure part of it had to do with the loss of Marvin Harrison and Kate Stover. Don't get me wrong. Right. Well, and here's the other but, thing too. Everybody's everybody's upset that he ran the ball those last three plays that he ran the ball on first down. He had two timeouts. What if he busts one for eight yards and now we're looking at a 42 yard or not a 50? Like, and, and I get that, but you you also look back at what would give you the thought that they would do that. The the longest one we run we did have the entire game. With CJ's 27-yarder. Correct. I know. Other than that, we did not have a run that exceeded 20 yards. Correct. Correct. But they also were reeling and on their heels and kind of stepping back, trying to prevent us from getting in the 20. And so the the you have three down linemen, and you think to yourself, if we can hit a seam, we're going to get at least five, if not six yards here. Even, <laughs> CJ, even CJ in the post-game uh, news conference said that was the right call. Like that was a brilliant call. There was nothing wrong with that call. God, what else is he going to say? He's getting ready to go to the NFL. He doesn't want the coaches there to think he's going to criticize him. CJ has not been bashful for the saying what he really thinks. No, no, I agree. He hasn't. All right. Let's move on to uh, Neil Kramer has another question, Aaron. Why man coverage when you've been burnt on it all year? Which play is he talking about? Probably the one where we. Like, I think he's talking about the one fell. where. Yeah. 
And, and really, I don't think the coverage had been terrible to that point. Um, I mean, they gave up a few big plays, but it hadn't been terrible to that point until he fell. And I don't think you can blame the coverage on that, can you? No, no. The coverage, that it was it was a good call, okay? If Lathan Ransom keeps his footing, we're not talking about this right now. Right. Okay. Right. Um, the, the, you know, in man coverage, it wasn't a cover zero. That was, I, in fact, I, I've only, I did not go back and rewatch the game because I just don't, I just didn't have the emotional <laughs> ability to do that today. I okay. Gotcha. So, um, I'm not convinced that that was man. It may have been a cover three because he was covering a third of the field and I don't, I didn't see what happened on the other side of the field that would have drawn the safety to that side. Um, but I, I can guarantee you it was not a cover zero because that's just that would have been completely ignorant in this game. Uh, but regardless, I, I, I don't think that that was the, the issue in this game because their receivers are nothing special. They're nothing to write home about. Um, our secondary is not either, to be honest, but we we did exceptionally well in that game, given all the coverages that we went through. Just just something about their receivers in this game, Aaron, that I'm not sure you're aware, aware of. Arian Smith was their leading receiver, three catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. He was their eighth leading receiver on the team. He only had six catches coming into today. Yeah, he, he, hasn't, he hadn't played since week two, though. Yeah. Yeah, but take away 70, how many ever, 70 whatever yards, and he's got two catches for 20-something yards. Okay, I'm going to just say, like, I'm just going to say, you brought it up there, right right there. I'm going to say it. What if JSN would have been would have played? When Marvin Harrison goes down, do you think we're talking something different now? Yes. JSN plays, we win. They, the, they I'm couldn't not, cover, they couldn't well, cover they, Marvin. We, we would have scored 60 on him. Yeah, so here, yeah. so I, and I'm not comparing him to JSN, but he's the, he's one of their better receivers that hasn't played since week two, and they got him back in this game. So, you know, if we have JSN, and like if he would, let's say he would have played this game, and we're ta- we might be talking completely different right now. We would be, hundred percent. They couldn't they couldn't cover Marvin. You put JSN in there with Marvin, and this game wasn't even close. Promise you that they couldn't stop the mesh. They couldn't stop any crossing and they couldn't stop levels whatsoever. They had no answer for what we were doing, throwing the ball until Marvin left the game. Unfortunately, uh, Emeka and others did not. They they weren't able to step up and fill that role effectively. And uh, you saw what happened. We only threw for 29 yards after Marvin left the game. So uh, you throw JSN in there and uh, we are we're probably talking a whole different thing right now. All right, so our last, we've got a series of three questions. I'm going to have one for each of us here. Uh, It's a different question for each of us, and they all come from Don Hoffer, okay? Eric, we're going to start with you. Next year, do you think Ryan Day will choose a quarterback that will be more willing to be involved in the run game? I ask this because schematically this is harder for opposing defenses. You put seven uh, or more in the box, and we can throw down field six or less. We attack the gaps with our running game. So do you think he's going to choose a quarterback that's going to be more involved in the running game as we move forward next season? No. I think Ryan Day looks at a quarterback, and he doesn't think the the ability to run is um, high on his list. I think he thinks 
Number one, a leader who can make all the all the passes, all the NFL throws, uh, doesn't turn the football over, um, is able to lead the team down the field quickly and efficiently. We using his arm is more important than his legs. If it happens to be that this quarterback is not afraid to tuck it and run and does so, then that's just an extra bonus. But that is not the motivation that Ryan Day uses to choose a quarterback. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. I know it's a long way off. Don't do it because we're going to talk about it next because I know where you're going. Don't do it. Okay, so hold on to it. All right. <laughs> hold on to it. All right. Okay, Aaron. Don also writes, he personally feels that our defense played better this year, especially given the performance of last year. In year two in Noel's defense, what changes do you think need to happen to not allow quality teams to score more than 21 points on us. I would say that getting back to fundamentals of tackling would be priority one, wrapping up, finishing tackles uh, all the way through the ground. What is your take on that? I agree. I agree. Um, you know, they attack the legs, but uh, I feel like they do it a little bit low. And it, it just looked to me like they were diving at calves and ankles last night a little bit too much. Um, I'd like to see them attack the waist, and I, I feel like uh, – and I don't know what Ohio State does at practice, okay? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do, but if they would work on more rugby-style tackling, I would be completely okay with that. Get your head – you know, get in front of their body, get your head behind them, wrap, and, and, and pull down, and that's – you know what I mean? That is that is the most effective tackling uh, in the world, if you want the, the truth, in, of my opinion anyway. Uh, so, yes, I do agree with that notion. Um, tackling should definitely be priority one. Uh, fundamentals of the defense, uh, simplifying, um, you know, letting the guys go out and play. Don't make them think. Uh, I had numerous – every coach I ever had said, if you're out there thinking, you're stinking. <laughs> uh, cute little rhyme, but it's true. If you're out there thinking, you're you're going to be delayed. You're not doing the right thing. So simplify the keys. Uh, ways to read the play and react fast. That's how you can prevent that. Um, I think that we need to work on our coverage skills, uh, particularly man. And I can't really fault anybody exactly because, I mean, these coaches haven't had a full year with these players yet. And that sounds like a cop out, perhaps, but it matters. You know, um, it, it, installing this defense, it, it's not an easy job. Uh, finding linebackers, as we have seen, has not been an easy thing in Columbus for some weird reason. Uh, we used to attract a lot of good linebackers, but we're struggling in that department. I mean, Steel Chambers came from the running back room, and he's one of the best linebackers we've got. That's not how this should be. We should be pulling these dudes out of high school or wherever, and they're wanting to play linebacker at Ohio State. So we need to get a little bit better on the recruiting end of this thing and get these guys coached up on the fundamentals, tackling, coverage in the secondary i think that's where we start okay so i gotta tell you guys last night it's not on our our page here but i was actually sent a uh, a question by don hoffer you know to me personally and it regarded my take on ryan day and he had asked me if after watching the way that this game was coached if i had changed my opinion on ryan day and I have one simple answer, guys, and he was very accepting of it. Has he got more than one win against an appointment, uh, an opponent in the top nine? He still doesn't. So, no, 
until he gets that victory, no, it doesn't change my opinion. So that's all the questions we had for today. Eric, why don't you take us home? I will, but I got I, I I'm not just gonna leave that nugget sitting there. Here <laughs> you would, Chris. I we we all felt like if he came away with a terrible showing in the Peach Bowl, that he would be on the hot seat. <clears throat> I do not think he's on the hot seat at this moment. But he should he, be. Okay, you think he should be. Yes. And it's simply because he has not doesn't have a top not a, a big he, time. He win doesn't have the quality wins. Other than Clemson. Yes, he, he has one quality win in what is now we've six, seven opportunities. Four seasons. Yes. Yeah. So. Do you feel his seat should be hot? Absolutely. Would you fire him if you were uh, Gene Smith tomorrow? You know, if you'd asked me after the Michigan game, I would have said yes. Today, I'm going to say no. And there's two reasons. One, our number one option is off the table. Our number one option is not Wisconsin. The second thing being, I would be afraid of losing Brian Hartline. I'm not as afraid as I'm more afraid of losing Brian Hartline than I am of losing Ryan Day. Is that because of recruiting? Yes. But not only that, I think that Brian Hartline has the potential to be one of the greatest offensive minds in the game. So do you think – so what I hear you saying then, to make sure I get this right, you're willing to fire Ryan Day on the hope that Brian Hartline would be a better head coach. No, I'm not saying I'm saying today I would not fire Ryan Day. Okay. Because I don't think Hartline is ready yet, but I have a fear of losing him if we lose Day. Oh, you think if Ryan Day were to get fired, Brian Hartline would get fired as well. Well, it could be he gets fired by you know, it could be that the incoming coach would want to put his own people in. It could be that he decides, okay, well, maybe you know, he looks at Day as a mentor and says, Okay, my mentor's gone. I'm gonna go take my head coaching opportunity like I could have at Cincinnati last year. You don't think that they would offer at least an interview to Brian Hartline for the job? No, not yet. And you've said it yourself in the past, Eric, because of the lack of of experience. That's why they didn't really give Luke Fickle his shot. They didn't give Luke Fickle his shot for that, but they gave it to Ryan Day because he he had the endorsement of Urban Meyer. Isn't it interesting how that worked? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right, let's turn the page, guys. We're going to – forecast into the future now a little bit let's make this a little bit quick this is going to be a little bit of rapid fire here at the end of the show uh i won't answer my i'll let you guys answer mostly um but (laughs) i might add my two cents here and there are they staying or are they going i have some names here i want to i want to throw at you you just let me know stay or go and why real quick like like a one cent answer on why they're staying or going Chris, you'll go first. Aaron, you'll go second. I think this is the easy one. Paris Johnson Jr. He's going. He's going to be a first-round pick. Ditto. All right. A little bit tougher one here. Running back Mayan Williams. I think Mayan stays. I think he stays because I think he's got something to prove. He's not going to want to go out on the note that he went out on with the injuries this season. 
Yeah, right now I think he comes back. At least I hope he does. I don't I don't think he's got enough body of work to like make him a high draft pick. Right now I'd say he's probably fourth rounder later. Tight end Cade Stover. For for me, I'm gonna say he stays there also. I think that right now, if he goes pro, he's probably looking uh, anywhere between the fourth and sixth rounds. Uh, I think he's got, he, again, like uh, Mayan Williams, I think has a lot to prove. I think he would benefit of, uh, through another year of development. I think he could be a second or third round draft pick if he stays a year. Ditto. Center Luke Whippler. Boy, I'll tell you, this one's tough, Eric, and I'll tell you why. After the showing he just had against uh, Jalen Carter, he he would be a hot commodity, I think. I, I it, the fear with me is I, I'm gonna initially I'm gonna say he's gonna stay, but here could be a little fear on his side from the whole uh, uh, Sean Wade coming back for that extra year. He he could be afraid of seeing his dra- his draft status plummet, because I'll tell you what I think right now he could strike while the iron's hot probably late second, early third round. I think if he stays, he can improve, though. I'm going to say stay. Yeah, I think he stays as well. I, I, if, if he were to leave, I think I don't think he would go that high off one performance, although he did kill it. Um, but I, I think that he needs a little bit more development. I think the scouts would want to see him um, more consistently play that way. Linebacker Tommy Eichenberg. I think Tommy goes, and I can't fault him for it. Um, right now, he's a very hot name. Uh, you know, I could see him going to one of these Midwestern teams, a Bears team, a, a Green Bay. He's that type of, of just that physical, nasty linebacker that, that historically have been parts of those programs. Yeah, I, I could see Tommy going this year. Uh, yeah, I, I think Tommy goes, um, he's in his fourth year, if I'm not mistaken. He, he's a, he's a redshirt junior. So yes, yes. he will graduate this year, but he does have another year of eligibility. Mm. Man, that I, he's, I'm so 50, 50 on him, you know, cause Chris yeah, is right. Well, he's a, tackles this season, Aaron, the guy, yeah. he was dissed, he was dissed by the, the media writers. And all those who are handing out awards, how this guy was not a top contender for top linebacker in this country, I do not know. I think, honestly, I think he goes and I think he makes a lot of money at the next level playing on Sundays. I agree. I think he's ready. He goes. Safety, Lathan Ransom. Uh, Ransom, hmm. he can't go. He can't go. Um well, you know, I take that back. Let, let me let me make a modification of that, Eric. He's not going pro. Um, whether he stays around for another year of with Ohio State, I I don't know. How close are some of these other guys in the defensive backfield? Some of these freshmen to getting there and taking that position from him. You know, he's had some really great performances, but he's had some rough ones. Is he a transfer portal candidate? Maybe. Um. My instinct is to stay, say he's going to stay, but I could see him being a transfer portal candidate. Yeah, I think he stays, and I think that uh, it depends on what happens in spring ball this year as to whether or not he transfers. 
I'm not saying this is an NFL draft pick, but this is another one I'm interested to find out here. Maybe transfer candidate, transfer portal candidate. Wide receiver Julian Fleming. Mm. You know what? I think, <clears throat> you, you know, he, he could, I don't know if he stays at that number three spot next year. I mean, we know that Harrison's going to be there. We know that Egbuka's still going to be there. We got a lot of young guys, a lot of, of good young guys coming up behind him. If he goes, I think he's a transfer portal. I don't know. I got this gut instinct that's like he's going to stay. And I think he might actually hold on to that number three next year, which means we'll probably lose somebody from the underclass. I agree with that. Didn't he play with uh, Kyle McCord? No, no that's Marvin Harrison Jr. That's Marvin. Ah, that's right. Okay. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually on the same page as Chris. I think that Julian Fleming's going to stick around because, I mean, he knows this offense. Why would he leave now? Um, Kyle McCord's serviceable. We're, I mean, at this point in time, we're, you know, he's been a serviceable, serviceable backup. We'll find out what he does as a starter if he wins the job. Um, but I, I'm with Chris. I think if we lose anybody, it's going to be one of those underclassmen. <clears throat> Tight end slash wide receiver, Junior G. Scott Jr., I look, you know, if anything, he's a transfer portal guy, and I can very much see that happen. He can't be happy with the playing time he's getting. Uh, you know, this was a highly recruited kid as a wide receiver. He made the move to the to the tight end room to get more playing time, and he's just not seeing it. Um, I think this young man, and he is a very, very nice, very humble, very good young man, a great citizen to have on campus, but I think we're going to lose him to the portal. I think he comes back. I think he'll stick I hope around. You're right, Aaron. <clears throat> All right. He'll be a junior next year. Running back Travion Henderson. We've talked about this one, Eric. I, I'm if if you are asking me right now, I'm gonna say he is seventy five twenty five that he enters the portal. Goodness gracious. I, I don't have the connections that y'all do. Um I would think that he'd stick around. But this day and age, I really don't know. Uh, um, I'll say that he stays, but I, I I honestly don't know. He's not going pro, that's for sure. But uh, he obviously well, he can't. can't anyway. I, I was going to say, I don't think he can anyway. But uh, transfer portal, I don't – like I said, I, I know you've shared with us, like, the you know the information you have. But, I mean, anything's possible. I, I just – I don't know. I, I'm going to go ahead and say from my perspective that he stays. We should be hearing more this week from uh, this news. So, you know, stay tuned to our social media pages. We will let you know if someone enters the portal. There's already been one Buckeye who entered the portal, our long snapper. I'm um, pretty sure we saw that one coming when we actually picked up another long snapper this week. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, he got replaced is what happened there. Um, all right. <clears throat> Here we go. You brought it up, Chris. Let's talk about it. Is Kyle McCord in the lead, or do you do you think Devin Brown has got a 50-50 shot going into the spring? In other words, do you think Ryan Day is going to say Kyle McCord is basically in the lead here? I, obviously, he's not going to play his cards here. Or do you legitimately think it is a 50-50 quarterback competition this spring? I, I think it's a quarterback competition. 
I think that Kyle McCord has the edge. He already has a chemistry with Harrison Jr. Um, he's been in the system a year longer. Uh, you know, so I really kind of feel like this is Kyle McCord's job to lose. However, I would also say this. In watching the two of them in the limited times that I've seen them, I kind of feel like Devin Brown, while, while Aaron has mentioned that that uh, McCord is serviceable, I agree he is serviceable. I feel like Devin Brown brings a little more to the table on the upside. So I think it's a competition. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, I, from a coaching standpoint – I mean, it has to be 50 50 because, uh, I mean, you have to give the other guy the opportunity. I mean, how else? Competition, it's just like business. Sports are really not that much different, okay? Competition makes the product quality go up. So you got De- uh, Devin Brown coming from behind there and, and pushing Kyle McCord to be the best he can and vice versa. It's got to be a competition. Here's, here's the other thing with that. Let's remember we lost our number one recruit quarterback. If Kyle McCord gets this job, can we afford to lose Devin Brown as well? You can in the transfer portal era. So, ah, yes, the agency of free or or era free agency. I love it. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think, I think this is definitely Kyle McCord's job to lose. I think he's, he has got a leg up in this thing. Chris, you mentioned it. I know this is the question you were wanting to ask me earlier, uh, which is why I will take the, the, uh, uh, privilege of answering this one as well. I think Kyle McCord has got a leg up. I think Kyle McCord has got the chemistry with Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you mentioned, Chris, I think it's his job to lose. If he goes into the spring and he lays an egg or Devin Brown just flat out balls out. Now we've got a quarterback competition, but we will see. All right. Last question, guys, Chris, do you believe Ryan Day should make any coaching personnel changes at this point? Yeah. It's hard to say, and I might be accused of blasphemy if I mentioned one. It's all right, because I'm going to mention him too, probably. I'm starting to wonder if Larry Johnson's getting a little out of touch with the game. Also, Jim Knowles, $2 million a year. You know, we didn't pay $2 million. We, we didn't get a $2 million offense there. Or defense. Or defense, I mean, yes. We did not get a $2 million defense there. Um, I'm actually less angry with Knowles, though, than I am with Day. And that's just the danger of sitting in the big chair. Right. Um, I kind of want to give Knowles another year to see if he can develop it. Um, yeah. And I also want to see what he can do with recruiting with a full year of recruiting under his belt. Can he get in those thoroughbreds in the backfield, the, the defensive backfield? Um, Larry, Larry Johnson, again, I, I love Larry Johnson. He's the goat. He's, he's the greatest of all time, but we have some games where our defensive line looks incredible. Like we did with a month of preparation going into this game last night. And then we have games where our defensive line is being thrown all over the place. I, I don't know. Is, is it coaching? I don't know. Is it the, the players? Maybe. Is it scheming? Possibly. 
but ultimately, as the defensive line coach, you're responsible for that. Um, defensive backs coaches, even the, the whole defense, I think I'm skeptical of some to some extent. The only thing I'd say is solid was the production out of our linebackers, and even they got you know sucked up in a few times yesterday, and, and we got beat for big runs. So I think you look at the defensive side of the ball and you have to ask, is there anybody here that a personnel change is required? I don't know that anything is required, but would I be upset to see a few? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, I. <clears throat> so I, I, I struggle in an era where if you don't, I guess – show a high level of progress immediately you get fired that's just seems to be how it is these days um i i'm not really with that uh you know they those the defensive staff other than lj they haven't really been on campus for a, a full year calendar year yet um they need time you know we got to get let, let them do some recruiting let them further install this thing and and get things going. Um, I would like to see what happens next in, in 2023. If they look as beatable, um, giving up big plays when they really shouldn't, uh, you know what I mean? We, I, I think we do have to look at some changes and I know that sounds kind of, uh, like I'm a hypocrite, you know, but two full seasons, uh, one recruiting cycle, it doesn't seem fair, but that is kind of how it is these days. And I would like to see um, – we, we just – so let me back up. We don't have a Jeffrey Okuda in the secondary right now. We don't have any guys that are that – are, you know, we don't have a Mike Doss. We don't have anybody like that right now, and we need it. And that's – I think that's where we're hurting. Like we got four star guys, you know, Lathan Ransom, highly touted. Cam Martinez was was highly thought of. Um Maybe Sonny Styles is the difference. Maybe he's a difference maker. Uh, we'll find out. But I, I feel like we have to give these coaches uh, at, uh, at least a full calendar year with these players to to get this thing figured out and coached up and, and get some stuff going. Fair enough. <clears throat> I think that there's definitely a philosophical difference between Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles. And not only with the four down linemen versus three down linemen. And just, I think, how they approach the game. Jim Knowles is in charge of the linebackers. He was, that's his room, right? He literally played Eichenberg and Steel Chambers until their legs fell off this year. You guys are not coming out of the game, like ever. Like, it's just not happening. And Larry Johnson continued to rotate all season long. That's a philosophical difference. I don't know that those two type of mentalities and, and personalities can coexist. So let me put you on the spot. Which one has to go? Well, it's Larry. I mean, he's at, he's in the twilight of his career, man. Um, you, you pay Jim Knowles $2 million to fix the defense. And I'm afraid we may have handcuffed him in doing it. Uh, that, yeah. Again, if we were in the media, guys, we would these these are the type of questions that need to be asked. And of course, Ryan Dave does not want to answer that question. And he won't. He'll find some BS way to dance around it because that's what he does. 
and then we'll get our press pass revoked. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that will go down. But everybody, I, else, everybody else in the presser would be like, dude, look at the wheelbarrow they're carrying out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who the hell are those guys? Get them out of here. They're asking serious questions. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not a room that I I I I don't belong in that that environment whatsoever. <laughs> I can just see the eleven warriors guys coming up to Aaron. Um, has anybody actually told you how this works? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, those are those are the those are the questions that you're gonna get here on the OHIO podcast. You're not you're not gonna get on those other shows that we're not supposed to name, Chris. Um. <laughs> But I digress. <clears throat> There's another one for you. Um, we will be back in a week. Uh, we will start our live shows next Sunday. Do not miss that. In the meantime, do us a favor. Give us a like. Uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, we appreciate those. That will help other Buckeye fans find us in the magical algorithm that all of these companies like Apple Podcasts and all of them use, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., uh, and then when we get on our live show next week on YouTube, awesome. We'll start pushing that as well for you guys to like and follow and all of that good jazz. In the meantime, like I said, give us that five-star review. and We truly appreciate that. And if you have already, do it again because you know what? We deserve it. I don't know. Huh? I feel like we deserve it, especially when we ask questions like that. Um we uh, have other shows for you. We'll have a Shots from the Shot show coming for you here very soon. Ohio State's playing right now as I, as we record this against uh, Northwestern. Hopefully my bet's going well. What, what was the spread on that one, Eric? Three. Ohio State by three. Doing all right? I think you got a good line there. Good deal. All right. I'll take I'll take nine bucks in my wallet. Um, and then uh, – uh, uh, Chris and I, uh, of course, if you if you uh, subscribe to the OHIO podcast, you get all the other shows in your feed automatically as well, including Varsity Videos, which we will be starting up very soon. All right, guys, as always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH, I owe, I owe. go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh. Hios praise and songs through rain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show. How firm thy friendship, Ohio.